Where do you let out your frustration? Hmm. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Like, I think it's like, well, now I feel like it's doing creative things. But I would, I, I yell sometimes. Like, if I'm in a car or something, or I'll just let out a, you know, frustrated yell. A yell about traffic or a yell about something that you're thinking about? Yeah, well, it's traffic sets it off, but it's really about everything else. Yeah. I yell in the car, too. <laughs> yeah, it's a good place. Hey, it's Matt LeBlanc here. You were listening to a conversation that I had with my friend Bobby Benjamin about an extreme path that he found himself taking. Driven, of course, by fantasy. Well, it's not no caffeine, it's no coffee, which I could never follow because I like coffee. No smoking, no illegal drugs, no premarital sex. Um, Those are the main ones. At first I thought they were weird, but then I'm like, well, I mean, they seem right. Like illegal drugs, smoking, coffee one's weird, but okay, I'll try it. At least I did try and I couldn't do it. And then the premarital sex, I'm like... Well, maybe uh, and I'll meet someone and then I'll just get married and I'll, you know, maybe this is what I've been looking for my whole life. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me, Earth Monster. I'm your host, Matt LeBlanc, and I really felt like friends jumped the shark in season eight when Joey had a thing for Rachel. This is Your Necessary Delusion, the storytelling show that celebrates vulnerability and speaks to the darkest, messiest little parts of your heart about the lies that we tell ourselves every day, the stories that we use to get out of bed, the fantasies that we let propel our lives. And if we are speaking to you, then please subscribe to the podcast, rate us with five stars, and write a review if you like what you hear. Because believe it or not, it is not the pain in the ass that you think that it is, and it will really help us find an audience. So we appreciate it. I met today's storyteller a number of years ago doing improv comedy at Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles. His name is Bobby Benjamin. And although at the time our whole class agreed that we love to work with him, At one point, we literally chanted his name. He still felt like an outsider. Here's Bobby. I guess I've never felt like, because even at UCB, in a way, now I'm remembering that experience. And yeah, part of me still, even though I was getting that attention, I guess, I I still didn't feel like I fit in. I don't know. It's it's weird, though. You're going to have to excuse the rustling that you're hearing on Bobby's microphone. Either he has nervous hands, or I think he had a pair of long-haired hamsters playing with a toilet paper roll on his keyboard. Just ignore it. I promise you, it does not stop, and it does not make a single difference. Because Bobby's story is compelling enough to override a murder of crows playing trombones. That's the most distracting thing that I could think of. Bobby's necessary delusion is so basic, it's so human, that literally every one of us have carried out our own version of it. Have you ever been in, like... You're hanging out with a group of people and everyone's kind of like saying their thing. And then like, I'm, I'm always like, okay, here's my moment to say my thing. But then it's past and the conversation is about something else. And I don't know, I, I, that's always been frustrating to me. I feel like I can't push my way into the conversation. Oof. If you're like me, then as soon as you hear him say that, you flash back to the first day at a new job 
or a school cafeteria somewhere in the Midwest, or a party where everyone is dressed better than you. The delusion isn't just that one day he will have a voice, but that he will know what to say when it gets to him, that he'll find his people. His necessary delusion is that he'll be accepted. Sorry, I didn't mean to start off too heavy. I meant to start at the beginning. I'm pursuing acting. Um, that's always been my dream. Probably by like 12, I started like thinking about it. I saw with my parents, we went to see The Phantom of the Opera. So, so that was um, the first like live theatrical thing I ever saw. So that, that kind of blew me away. I was like, whoa, you can do this like in a theater. It was just the whole experience. It was the music, some special effects, but also the emotions that the actors were portraying. I would listen to the recording. I thought about playing the Phantom one day, but I'm not a singer, so so that kind of went out the door. Although I myself have deep roots in musical theater, I've never actually seen the Phantom of the Opera. Here's what Google says about it. One of the primary themes of the Phantom of the Opera is the difference between appearance and reality, and as well as what can happen when people fail to understand that difference. Sounds like a necessary delusion to me, folks. Phantom was just the first thing for Bobby. He actually grew up in Los Angeles. He's a Valley kid. And as he got older, his passion grew. I really liked Edward Norton, and so that was the goal, to be like Edward Norton. But I didn't really seriously think I'd actually do it until I was an adult. I went to college and I studied theater, which is really useful. Delusion! It's very lucrative. I got to be in a, a show there that I really liked doing. And uh, yeah, I felt like I learned a lot. I got to play this like character that was really kind of like the opposite of me, like not reserved. It was like really out there. So it was a challenge. So then I felt like, okay, I can push myself to do more. I feel like I'm, I'm shy, but it's, I think it's more of that. I'm afraid it comes from fear. I think fear of speaking up, fear of saying how I feel. Yeah. Like a lot of actors, Bobby's a bit of a conundrum. While he can sometimes be extremely shy in real life, he has also chosen a career that hinges on his ability to put himself out there and be watched. Does acting facilitate an environment where you get to be the center of attention or something? Yeah, I think think so. And it allows me to just be whoever I want to be. We've heard this story before, folks. Some of us have lived it. Bobby is now a grown man still living in Los Angeles and working as an actor. Sometimes. You know how it goes. Auditions and odd jobs during the day. He's worked at Universal Studios to make money. He was even an usher at Madame Tussauds Wax Museum on Hollywood Boulevard. It can be a grind. And take it from someone who's done it. It requires a strong fantasy and a lot of work to keep at it. Over the years, he usually tries to stay in some kind of acting class or program to keep active in the community. Like when I met him at UCB. So then you and I were doing improv and we had our group and we were performing at random places, which was fun. But um, then, you know, life, that kind of stopped. And then I stopped doing UCB and I was dabbling in stand-up also. And through that, I met this girl and we started working on stuff together, like sketches. And we, we had the same kind of ideas about comedy. And she's a creative person also, of course. So in her area where she lives, um, there's all this, I guess it's a bigger Mormon community. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, Bobby. We're not there just yet. So Bobby's taken the stand-up comedy class, and he meets this girl. We've decided to call her Sally, which, from my days doing improv with Bobby, I can tell you this is usually his go-to made-up name for any female character. Sally. 
In this case, Sally is a free-spirited, experienced junkie artist type who is taking a little time away from art school to try out stand-up comedy. That's how I actually met her, through the class, the stand-up class, and it, the performance was at the comedy store. I think she's really funny, but in a like unusual way. She didn't actually stick with it very long. She was more just trying, but one story she told in stand-up was there was a singer uh, that she liked, and she made a cake for this person, and she said she was really awkward. Like she, She's like, oh, I made you this cake, and then she told the person that she stalked her, but she didn't. But it just came out. She's like, I say all these weird things when I'm nervous, blah, 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 blah. And she, so she did that in one of her stand-up things. It was really funny. Sounds like a grounded, savory character. I'm kidding. I don't know her. Here's a little bit of Bobby's stand-up from the class. I did something on acting, how, like, I always dreamed of being, like, this actor when I was a kid. But then, like, now the things I'm auditioning for are, like, fat guy, ugly guy, like, all these, like, weird character names. That was a good class. It was, like probably like six weeks, and the performance was at the end. So Sally started talking to me a lot on the day of the show, and then after, walked her to her car, and then but I didn't get her number or anything. Bobby came to like Sally during the class, like maybe as a girlfriend. But he has this habit where he doesn't really know how to say it. That's a thing I struggle with, or have struggled with, like asking people out and just being direct about it, and I'd get it trapped in these, like friend-zoned relationships, which I didn't want to be in, but it just happened. Delusion! Let's pause and unpack the potential delusions in this situation. He doesn't know how to ask. Delusion. Or what if she doesn't like him back? Delusion. Or maybe he's not deserving of love. This is his necessary delusion. And what is so compelling to me is that it is this necessary delusion that he will spend the rest of the story trying to change. Maybe he does deserve it. Anyway, his stand-up class ended, and he never got Sally's phone number. Sally had an unusual name, her real name, so it was tough to remember. So I had to look at the flyer, and then I, I looked her up on Facebook, and I messaged her. I was like, yeah, I thought you were really funny. Um, if you ever want to go see a stand-up show, let me know. And it was a while before we actually met in person, because she was having some health problems. I was like, is she blowing, blowing me off, or is it real? But no, it was real. <laughs> I guess that's the ego, right? <laughs> Sally was sick. It sounded like an excuse, but it wasn't. Her mom actually had to come out and live with her for a while. So it was probably, like, months later, like, maybe even almost close to a year before I actually saw her again in person. We would just talk about comedy, like, through emails and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, then we finally met in person, and we were like, we should work on sketches together, and so we started writing stuff together. But again, not that I didn't want someone to work with, but I wanted, you know, something else also, but I should have made that clear right away. But I didn't, so it got, you know, got into that, that pattern I get into. As someone who met Bobby in a comedy class and then developed a working friendship with him myself, I'm starting to wonder about ulterior motives. Just tell me what's in your heart, Bob. I'm kidding. But before long, Bobby and Sally were hanging out all the time, going to open mics together, seeing comedy shows and movies. They became quite close. Bobby was happy for the friendship, but in the back of his mind, a little voice was still telling him a story. Maybe, just maybe, if he kept hanging out, this could turn into something, something romantic. So she was also a big fan of South Park and Trey Parker and Matt Stone, so she saw the Book of Mormon. The creators of the cartoon South Park also created a Broadway comedy musical called The Book of Mormon. 
That was a note just in case my mom's listening. Hi, Mom. Sally happened to go to an art school in a neighborhood with a large Mormon population. So before long, missionaries showed up knocking at her door. They wanted to preach the Mormon ways, so she said no, but then, because she's creative and she just wanted to hear their story, basically. So she called me and said, hey, these guys came to my house. Do you mind for moral support? I want to talk to them, but I didn't want to do it alone. I was like, yeah, sure. So Sally scheduled a time with the missionaries, and Bobby went over to listen for moral support. He had no interest in joining the Church of Latter-day Saints. It was just an excuse to hang out with her. They came in, and they were like early 20s, clean-cut guys with white shirts and a tie and the name badge. It says Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's almost creepy. They're like so smiley and like, hey, so we're going to tell you this story. People you'd, you'd see in movies like, can I help you cross the street, ma'am? Very, like, whitewashed. They, they have all these lessons, and so they give you the first lesson. The four of them sat at Sally's dining room table. The house was cozy and quiet with hardwood floors and area rugs. A ceiling fan rotated slowly above them. I thought it was creepy, but then they were so, like, passionate about it. I, I felt like they really believed what they were saying. I didn't feel like they were faking it. It's like 30 minutes, and then they're like, okay, well, is there another time we can come back and talk? No, thank you. This was secretly a judgy anthropological experiment. We're good. Bobby wasn't interested, but then Sally went rogue. She invited them to come back. I think she found one of them attractive. One of the missionaries was H.O.T. Hot Guys. Total smoke show. So she kind of just wanted them to come back because of that. I I don't think she was going to like try and date any of them, but I think she just wanted to like experience it again. Delusion! Because they're very like giving you a lot of attention because they're, you know, they're, they believe it, but they're also, it's also a sales pitch. Just to be clear, Bobby secretly has a crush on Sally, who is now scheduling her second lesson because she secretly has a crush on the hot missionary. I was jealous. I was like, really? These young, like, 20-year-olds who haven't experienced anything? That's the thoughts going through my head. Well, at least Bobby had done his part. She could keep meeting with them if she wanted to. So they came back another time, you know, so I had to be there, of course. Bobby went back, too. Part of me was like, why am I doing this? I don't have to do this. I wanted to kind of see where it went, but at the same time, I was like, I don't want to do this, but I did it anyway. How often do you find yourself doing this? Making plans, checking your calendar, committing to things that you have very little interest in experiencing? But my friend really needs me to be there, or I don't want to seem rude. Why do we really do the things that we do? Delusion. Before we continue, I just want to clarify. I'm here to tell Bobby's story. I have not researched the Mormon church. In fact, I think that I heard that it's not even proper to say Mormon church anymore. I wasn't aware. The point is, this story is about Bobby and his necessary delusion. So I will be keeping my personal opinion about the church out of this. Please, follow my example and keep your personal opinions about the church out of my comments. We're only talking about necessary delusions here, guys. So the hot missionary and his buddy are coming back for round two. I asked Bobby to gauge his actual interest in hearing the second pitch. Probably 90% her, 10% pitch. <laughs> so he's saying there's a chance. Yeah it's, like an ex- yeah, it's like an excuse to hang out again, right? Just hanging out with his secret crush for moral support while she hangs out with her secret crush. Like you do. So they all meet again at Sally's table, all holding their own secret motives for being there. And then one of them starts talking about his struggles. He didn't say why, but he's like, leaving my family at this time to do this thing, that's 
how like big of a deal this is and how important it is. And then I felt bad because it was like judging a little bit. What were you judging? When she said that one of them was cute, I was thinking, oh, come on, these guys haven't experienced any life. But just because you're 20 doesn't mean you haven't experienced anything, you know. Was it the hot guy that was saying he missed his family and stuff? Yeah. And so then you found yourself empathizing with him? Yeah, yeah. And then we had that meeting. And then the guy specifically asked me, like, can we come back and meet with you? As it turned out, he had a secret crush on Bobby. No, I'm kidding. Sally was coming too. And I was like, I felt bad, so I said yes. (laughs) He said yes. Another meeting? Why are we doing this again? This happens all the time. They are just four necessarily delusional earth monsters who are not being true about their intentions or desires. The missionaries think they have two prospective recruits. Sally thinks she's doing an anthropological experiment and courting a hot guy. And Bobby thinks he is just biding his time as Sally's supportive friend, lurking in the wings like the phantom, waiting till the right time so they can fall in love. So one of the things they do is they try and get you to get baptized. Like within the first couple of meetings, they try and get you to commit to a date because like they want that on on your mind. They're like, how would you like to get baptized in uh, like a couple of months? I was like, no. (laughs) It's like, oh, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, not right now. I'm still, you know, processing all this. And the delusion changes just like that and he is now processing the idea of getting baptized and actually joining the church. Coming up after the break, will Bobby get baptized and become Mormon? Will he start dating Sally? Will the hot missionary fall in love with anyone? You're going to have to stick around to see. But first... 143 means I love you. Have you heard that code? 143, I love you. It's the number of the letters in I love you. If you have love for the show and you want to support us, then show us some love on Venmo. Send $1.43 to at your necessary delusion on Venmo. Or just send like as much or as little money as you want and we'll consider that love. Thanks, guys. Are you in need of affordable original music? I know I am. Your necessary delusion. Talk to my guy Ryan Fine. That's F-I-N-E. Go to ryanfine.com, click on custom songs. Ryan has made all of the music that you hear in these episodes. He even made the little delusion stings that go, delusion, delusion. That is not my voice. That would be psychotic. (laughs) He can make music for your small business or podcast, or maybe you just have a cool idea for a song to give to your partner for their birthday. Go to ryanfine.com, click on custom songs. Take us to the next act, Ryan. Are you still like 10% interested in Mormonism at this point? It's going up a little, which is kind of scaring me. I don't know if I'm being brainwashed, if this was like what I've been missing in my life. Maybe he was just feeling accepted, feeling comfortable sitting at this table with Sally and the missionaries, feeling confident about when it was his turn to talk. Maybe we brainwashed ourselves. This was a whole new world for him. Bobby considers himself to be spiritually searching, but he doesn't have a strong background in anything formal. I didn't grow up religious. We would do church on, like, the holidays, just, like, generic Christian church. But that was only when we were little, because specifically my mom wanted us to have exposure to that. My parents weren't religious at all. I just thought it was BS, I guess. 
But then as I got older, I thought about, like we all do, like what's after this? Is there anything? What's the point of life? What's the meaning? You know, all those questions. I would listen to like spiritual things, like Buddhist type stuff. It's kind of like, it's so simple, but but at the same time, it's frustrating. There's a lot of famous ones, but like, like when you talk about being a path and they say the path has no path, which is true, but it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> like... I don't know, but I still liked it. In college, I took a history of the world's great religions class, and that was really interesting. And learning about, like, all major religions came about just because people were searching for meaning, and they all have similar origin stories. But nothing had spoken to him like the missionaries in these meetings. They were just so sure of everything, like, this is what happens when you die. This this is what happened before you were born. If you do this, this will happen. They came across like they had all the answers. I don't know what your spiritual background is, but for me, this is a necessary delusion. It's a bold and beautiful story to wrap yourself in, to protect you from the brutal truth. Endings are scary, and even though we each have one coming... No one can tell us for sure what that experience is going to be like. When it first happened, I thought it was just going to be, oh, this is going to be something we can laugh about, that we met with them, and then all of a sudden I'm going down this weird path. Around this time, they invited Bobby and Sally to visit church. And so we went that Sunday to the church service, and part of me is like, what am I doing here? <laughs> Everyone was really nice and like asking us questions and all that stuff. How interested was Sally at this point? I honestly don't think she was interested. I think she just wanted the experience for her artistic endeavors. So it's different from what you might imagine as a, your normal church. There's a bishop, but no one wears any like weird costumes. If you're a man, you wear a suit. Woman, you wear a dress or whatever. And they all kind of sit up in front. It's kind of weird. They're like staring out at you. And then like anyone could be a bishop. So like if you were in the church and you were in the church for a while, you could get called to be the bishop. Did you find yourself thinking maybe one day I'll be the bishop? No, I didn't go that far. <laughs> maybe I'll be the phantom. Yeah, <laughs> I'll run this church. But yeah, so people just sit up and like all the leaders are kind of watching you. I could have been called to speak. They would give you an, a, a topic to speak on, and you would apply it to how it you know, affects your life or how you use it. And there's an organ, and they do hymns, and then they pass the sacrament, and they don't do a collection plate. No collection plate. That was a nice surprise. All in all, it was a pleasant experience. The people were friendly and eager to get to know them. So they continued with their meetings with the missionaries. They met at Sally's house like usual, but now their regular missionaries, the hot guy and his buddy, got switched out for new missionaries. They call them sister missionaries, female missionaries, because you only ever see, like, the guys. But there are girls that do it, too. So the next one, we have three girls meeting with us at the house. Now I find one of the girls attractive. <laughs> so that that's making me want to meet more, even though I was already interested. But now I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna definitely going to keep keep having these meetings. I have a very cynical cousin that I imagine to gauge bullshit. Not that they're always right, but they're always the first person to go, oh, come on, now he likes one of the missionaries? This guy's just trying to get laid. So I imagine their voice to try to remind myself of what some of you might be thinking. Let me keep us on course. In my estimation, Bobby's necessary delusion is about finding a sense of belonging and acceptance, which totally falls alongside love and companionship. 
I believe that his interest in the women in this story and his interest in joining the faith are ultimately working in tandem. I've been there myself before. I know what I want, but I don't know how I'm going to get it. So I just try to surrender to the path that I'm on, keep a couple of irons in the fire, put my head down, and keep moving. So in Bobby's mind, maybe he ends up Mormon, or maybe he ends up with a girlfriend. Or both. Either way, he ends up at his goal. So that's what I think. But I also try not to shy away from the hard questions. Were you trying to make Sally jealous, or were you really interested in the girl? No, no, I wasn't trying to make her jealous. I was interested. Um, and this girl would, like, talk to me. Like, she would... They didn't have a lot of time after they they had to like their their day is like really scheduled I guess, but I found she would like kind of linger and talk to me and ask me about like what I'm doing in life and stuff. As Bobby found himself holding on tighter to the meetings, Sally's feelings changed, and he was forced to make a decision. We got to a point where Sally didn't want to do it anymore. She kind of was over it, and then I I was like, do I really want to do this? Am I doing this now because? I'm attracted to this other girl. It's all very complicated. But but part of me was still buying into it. So I'd say by this point, it's probably like 50-50. Like I'm 50% in, but also 50% attracted to this other girl. Bobby made a decision to continue without Sally. He began meeting with the sister missionaries at the church. And his necessary delusion was thriving. At least in his mind it was. He was comfortable talking to the sisters, and they were feeding directly into his story. So the meetings go on, and then it came the day when they got transferred to another place. And this girl, she's like, she's like, let me get your information. I'll, um, I'll write you. We've decided to call the missionary that Bobby has a crush on, Jenny. So Jenny and the other sister missionary get transferred. And to Bobby's surprise, Jenny wants to keep in touch. You can't, like, talk to them or hang out with them. They can only write letters. So we exchanged information, and we just started sending letters for probably almost a full year left of her mission, but she, we like wrote letters back and forth that whole time. It was very exciting. It was kind of shocking. I thought the attraction was all on my end. So I was like, okay, yeah, let's write letters. And then she would send these letters and she'd put like stickers on the envelopes and like, and her writing was like really perfect. Who sends letters anymore? He never received letters. It was exciting. And can we agree that the nature of writing letters is very romantic? Maybe she always has neat writing, or maybe she was putting extra care into it. I don't know. I took it that she was taking more time. Delusion! She's asking how it's going with meetings. Am I going to get baptized? But also, like, because I told her I'm doing acting, so she's like, how's that going? It's kind of weird. They found out what I'm doing for my career, and then they start bringing members of the church who are, like, actors or producers or like, mm, very... Part of me knew, like, what they were doing, but still getting sucked in. And they would be like, yeah, you know, it, it can be unfulfilling, that career, but this is where I, you know, find my place. Part of him knew better. He was getting recruited. But didn't this pitch work perfectly with his story? Direct testimonials from people who had been in his shoes. A career in acting can be very unfulfilling, but this is where you can find your place. Delusion! It was all he needed to hear. He made an effort to shut off the part of himself that doubted their intentions. That premise wasn't moving him towards his goal. So, he doubled down on their story. So then I just decided to do it, to just get baptized. Because I start thinking, well, everything happens for a reason. This didn't just come into by accident. Someone's telling me to do this. It's a sign. In that moment, I was like, I've met this girl, and she's 
you know, like, it's all, like, connected. She's in this religion, and I should do it. So then I told them, okay, I'll commit to a date. And they got all excited, of course. And they're like, yeah, invite people. I'm like, yeah, no. (laughs) I didn't tell anyone. I was kind of embarrassed about the whole thing. The truth was, for as long as he'd been meeting with the missionaries, Bobby hadn't shared any of this with his friends or family. He didn't want them to judge him. Or maybe he was just being protective of his delusion. I can relate to that. He makes me realize how often I have used the same story myself. Everything happens for a reason. It's all connected. It's a sign. This story is usually a good sign that I want something really badly. And the path that I can see to get there looks like a long shot. So, delusion, delusion, delusion. But when his baptism day came, he did end up inviting someone. Sally came. Sally was the one friend that wasn't connected to anyone else in Bobby's life. She was supportive about it. She's like, no, it's great. But now I'm wondering if she really was. Bobby says the church he got baptized in used to be a country club, so it didn't look like a church. I was nervous. It felt like a performance. I mean, it is a performance, but it was weird. It felt like I was doing a play, which I guess I was. You go into this room and they see like the bathtub thing. So there's like a glass and then we're behind the glass and all the people, like a few people from the church. There's probably like 20 people there. And then you have to get into this white jumpsuit. And then the bishop comes and says some words, and then you're supposed to pick people that speak for you. So I picked just people that I had talked to. And then one of the missionaries, like, takes you in the water, and they tell you how to do it, and then they dunk you underwater, and then they bring you back up. Who's the missionary? Oh, it's one of the, one of the original two. Is it the hot guy? Yes, it is. The hot guy is in the tub with you, dunking you in the water? Yes, the hot, yeah. And, you know, and Sally's watching the hot guy dunk me in a tub of water. I was like, is it going to be cold? But then I step in and it's warm. Feels kind of nice, actually. Is it just you and the hot missionary behind the glass? Yeah. (laughs) In your mind, are you still interested in Sally at all at this point? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still a little bit interested in her. But now I'm, oh, uh, also the, the missionary, the, the one I'm writing letters to is there. Jenny. Because they're allowed to come. If someone gets baptized, they're allowed to be there. So she's there too. Sally and Jenny and the hot missionary, all in attendance for Bobby's secret baptism. I didn't have to, but they they said, oh, it's good if you could say a few words. So after I got dunked in the white suit, you get dunked all the way in. They like, you hold on to the guy's arm and then you like, they dunk you back and you're soaking wet. And then you go, it's like a bathroom where you dry off and change. And then when I come back, I give the speech And, like, I just found some random... Well, it wasn't random. I found something that was meaningful from the Book of Mormon. It was about faith and just going with something and trusting in faith that you're doing the right thing. Bobby, this is a pretty extreme thing to do. It really... So you must have been really feeling this. Yeah, I was. It wasn't just about Sally or the other girl. Like, it was something deeper. You're right. It was an extreme thing to do, and I don't know. Looking back, I'm like, I can't believe I did all this. But, like, I guess I get, maybe I was just in a bad place in life. It's easier for him to see his frustrations in retrospect, because in the moment, it's easy to get in the habit of pushing them away. 
Hey, how are you? Good, good, really good. I'm not putting any thought into that answer because things are not going good and I don't want to fall apart. But yeah, the automatic answer that I use to protect myself is good, really good. How are you? Sound familiar, Earth Monster? I think I was definitely frustrated with the career. I, I was getting little things here and there, but nothing significant. I, I was like, did I choose the right thing? Am I going to be just working crappy jobs all my life? I was frustrated with myself in not really taking a risk with Sally, you know, and sort of making myself crazy with, like, we're just friends, but I could have changed that. But, you know, when you get deep into it, it's like, well, now you're risking a, you're in a solid friendship that, you know, now you're just going to, you could lose it instead of just being up front with it right away. With his new faith came a list of new rules. Well, it's not no caffeine, it's no coffee. No smoking, no illegal drugs, no premarital sex. Um, those are the main ones. At first I thought they were weird, but then I'm like, well, I mean, they seem right. The premarital sex, I'm like, well, maybe uh, and I'll meet someone and then I'll just get married and I'll, you know, maybe this is what I've been looking for my whole life and now I'll meet a Mormon girl and, you know, whatever. Delusion! After the baptism, he got dressed in a Sunday best and went out to greet his people. I feel good, but also scared. Still, like, did I do the right thing? Is this weird? Like, what's going on? But I just figured, well, I've done it now. I'm just going to roll with it. They just had, like, hors d'oeuvres out, cookies and broccoli and stuff like that. Like, you know, like a veggie platter. And milk. Like, who drinks milk? So I talked to Jenny, and she said she was really proud of me. Sometime after Bobby's baptism, Jenny finished her mission and flew home to visit her family before she moved to Utah. Turns out she had a layover in L.A. for seven hours, from midnight to 7 a.m. She called Bobby and asked him to meet up with her near the airport. Actually, her exact words were, I can finally hug you, because she was no longer on her mission. Bobby was psyched. He thought, this is it. We're going to kiss and everything's going to work out. We're finally going to be together. So he left his house at 11 o'clock at night and drove down the 405 freeway to LAX, repeating his story. Tonight's the night. It's all making sense. He pulled over and parked at Arrivals. Jenny came outside. It was the first time he'd seen her wearing anything other than her white shirt and black pants. It made it feel like real life, like this wasn't just church business anymore. Bobby was nervous as they approached. Jenny's arms reached up around his neck and they hugged. Bobby held her around her waist. This was it. But when he pulled back to look at her, expecting a kiss to be hanging in the air between them, it didn't feel romantic. It felt awkward. Where should we go? She asked him. Is anything open right now? Bobby knew a place. The two of them sat at a table at Denny's near the airport at one o'clock in the morning. They talked about her mission ending mostly. Not exactly what Bobby had been thinking. Neither of them were hungry. They ordered sodas just to use the table. An hour later, he dropped her back off at the airport. He didn't know how to take it. The layover didn't seem right. It didn't go along with his story. But sometime after, Bobby knew what he wanted to do. He knew just what he wanted to say. So he called her. Every October and every April, they have this thing called General Conference, where leaders from the church speak, like the big leaders. They call themselves prophets, like they were appointed by God to be in those roles. And they do it in Utah at this center and, I mean, you can watch it anywhere, but... So, I was like, we should go, because she lives in Utah. She, after her mission, she went to Utah. We should go together. And she's like, yeah, I'd love to. So, I 
so this was October, I drove on my own to Utah, which is a long drive. It was horrible. Did you tell anyone that you knew where you were going? I only told Sally. Where did you tell your family that you were going? Just that I was going to Vegas for the weekend. It took like, with stopping, it took like 12 hours to get there. I'm thinking about all this stuff as I'm alone driving. Like, why am I doing this? I'm crazy. What if my car breaks down? I'm like alone, it's kind of scary. And I left really early because I didn't want to drive. I didn't want to be in anywhere remote, like in the dark. But by the time I got there, it was dark. Did you feel out of control? Yeah, I think I did, yeah. yeah I guess I was out of control. Come back next week to find out the fate of an out-of-control, lovesick Mormon in Utah. You're definitely not going to want to miss this. Thank you for being here, Earth Monster. I hope you had a good time today. Please do not forget to subscribe to the show, write us a review, and if you don't have any time, then at least rate us with five stars. It is helping us find an audience, and I so, so appreciate it, guys. I want to thank everyone who has already written us reviews. I am reading them, and I appreciate it so much. If you have a necessary delusion of your own and you would like to share it, then please reach out to me on Instagram at yesmatthew or email us at yournecessarydelusion at gmail.com. If you have love for the show and you want to support us, it just costs $1.43. Send us $1.43 on Venmo to at yournecessarydelusion to show your love. I want to thank Bobby Benjamin for sharing today. You can follow Bobby on Instagram at Robert underscore Bobby underscore zero five. Do not miss the conclusion of Bobby's story coming out next Monday. I want to thank RyanFine.com. Click on custom songs. Marcus Silverman for being our necessarily delusional shrink. And Paola Monterde, the love of my life. Thank you for listening to me talk about necessary delusions so often. We'll see you next time. Say